Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you for joining in with us today. It is so awesome to be together virtually this morning, and we are officially kicking off our The Real Story of Christmas series. So the series is tied in with our drive-in movies, uh, which happen Friday nights up until Christmas. We have a couple showings on Christmas Eve Eve, as well as our Christmas Eve service back there. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to check these out, do it. They're awesome. They have that old school feel, totally COVID safe, and just a really great uh, Christmas activity in an otherwise lacking Christmas season, it so seems. But on that note, this past week has been an absolute whirlwind. And uh, for everyone with these new restrictions coming into place, I know that it has brought disappointment and hurt for many people. Uh, we as a staff team really want you to know that we are praying for you, we stand with you, and that we are always up for a phone call. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We would love to be able to chat with you and connect with you. And if you are looking for a little bit of uh, fellowship, we would love to do that with you. So please reach out to us, as well as there are a lot of really great mental health organizations that are doing so much this Christmas season. So if you would like to get involved with one of those, please email me, jaden at ecomontchurch.ca, and I would love to connect you connected with some of those as well and give you that information. But I really feel like this Christmas season has kind of crept up. So I mentally always say that I'm somewhere back in June because this year has been so crazy. But um, it's like two weeks until Christmas or less than that. I don't know. It's really soon. And I feel so unprepared. There was Christmas decorations in the store in September. And yet somehow I still have not caught up with the times that it's almost Christmas Day. It feels crazy to me. But thankfully, I have not missed out on one of my favorite Christmas traditions, which is watching The Grinch. So, okay, I need your input here. This is a huge debate in my own heart that I'm struggling to find an answer and I really could use all of your help. So right now, get out your phone, get out your iPad, get out your computer, whatever. You can do it on your smart TV, whatever you have on you. Hit that comment section, the chat, whatever it is, whatever time you're watching this. It's, I think it says something different each time. But make sure you go in there and right now put which Grinch you like the best. So there are three. There is the old drawn Dr. Seuss, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the original. There is the Jim Carrey, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And then there is that new 2018 animated The Grinch. It's just got put on Netflix, I'm pretty sure, like right here, I think a couple weeks ago, but those three, please put in the chat right now, which one you think is the best. And I will be commenting on all of them because I want to know what you guys think. So please hit it in there. Tell me what you think. Tell me which one you think is the best. Let's see which one gets the most votes because I really, I love them all, but for all very different reasons. And I'm just not sure which one I like the most. So help me out here. But I really, really love Christmas and Christmas movies. I am like a November 1st person. Get that all going. Because uh, I just think, why not? It's the best time of year. So this year, with the limited holiday events that are going on, I plan to make it through all of my favorite Christmas movies, as well as some of the old, cool ones that I've never actually seen. Which maybe is like a little bad. Like, A Christmas Story. I've never seen it. Miracle on 34th never seen it, and It's a Wonderful Life I've also never seen. So I have a little bit of catching up to do. So if you need me, I'll be in front of my TV for this season, but it's about time I watch them. Hold me to that. 
but it just wouldn't be Christmas without those old animated TV specials that started back in the 60s and have been running annually ever since. So I only get four TV channels, and of those four, there are always those classic Christmas shows playing throughout the season. Uh, and as I have always loved them, and the ones that I remember most, I'm slowly realizing that they all have deep theological meanings that emphasize, rather than distort, the message of Christmas and the themes that we celebrate as we prepare for the coming of Christmas. The one that I find so clearly does this is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So the original Dr. Seuss video has this magical nostalgia. So the title fills the screen and the Who's who start singing their familiar fa hu do re da hu do re. Uh, they start singing and every childhood Christmas memory I've ever had comes running back. And that like childhood excitement of like Christmas Eve night, all of that. I get all of that feeling all over again. And then the sonorous voice of Boris Karloff begins the narrative. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did, did not. not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think that most likely the reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. But whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve hating the Who's, staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown at the warm-lighted windows below in their town. So the story of How the Grinch Stole Christmas follows our green Grinch anti-Santa as he hatches a plan to steal Christmas from the Who's. And not just the presents that he's planning on stealing, but all of the trappings that he believe make up the season of Christmas, including every last crumb and every last light. So he sews himself a fake Santa Claus suit and sneaks into Whoville on Christmas Eve. Uh, as he is filling all of their stuff into huge sacks while they sleep. Uh, uh, the food, the decorations, the presents, all of them, he starts shoving them up the chimney to where his sleigh is sitting and his little dog, Max, is poorly disguised as a reindeer. In the execution of his plan to ruin Christmas, we see him, we see him engage in some of the most underhanded and cunning deeds imaginable. Hear me out on this. He commits criminal impersonation, breaking and entering, vandalism, larceny, and I'm pretty sure when he's riding the sleigh down the mountain, he's for sure exceeding the speed limit. I've always wondered of the risks he takes when he hatches this plan. Think about it. What if someone wakes up while he's burglaring their home? Do you know what? The gun laws are down there in Whoville? Who knows? At one point, he's surprised by a little child who is awoken to the sound of his work and who comes out to see what's happening. She mistakes him for the real Santa Claus, and when she asks why he's stealing her tree, he tells her that he's not. He is taking it to the North Pole to fix a light that won't light. He says to her, I'll fix it up there and I'll bring it back here. So how about we add deceit and dishonesty to a poor innocent child to the list. But that's not even the worst of it. He cleans out every living room, empties every refrigerator, he steals every bit of the Who's Christmas stuff, and he takes it all up to the top of Mount Crumpet to dump it. 
But before he does, he stands at the top and waits to hear the sounds of grief, of the weeping and the wailing that he expects to hear from the Who's below, drifting up the mountain as the little town, as the Who's awake to the realization that no Christmas is coming. But standing there atop Mount Crumpet, as the first light of Christmas breaks over the horizon, he watches stunned as the Who's come together in the square, hold hands and begin singing their Christmas joy. Then comes my favorite part of the narrative. He hadn't stopped from coming. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, just the same. And the Grinch with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. We learned that his heart grew three sizes that day, which is actually a super bad medical condition that he probably needs to see a physician about immediately. But he is a changed man and he decides not to dump the Who's Christmas stuff off the mountain. He then, with his abnormally large heart, actually prevents the sled from falling and he turns it around. As he turns it around, he jumps back on and rides down to the town, blowing a trumpet as he gives back all of the things he had stolen the night before. And even though one might have expected his appearance that morning to be met with the town uh, authorities, who probably should have locked him away for an awfully long time, the Who's actually welcome him and allow him to sit at a table with them and share in their celebration. The story tells us that the Grinch finally understood the true meaning of Christmas. But then the show doesn't really tell us, the audience, what that is, except to imply that the presents and decorations are not what Christmas is about. But in the story, we can see it if we're paying attention. See, if the Grinch only teaches us that Christmas is about more than consuming and buying and getting, then it would be that just a normal lesson, nothing more. But when we look at the gospel or the story of Jesus, we can plainly see that there is good news for anyone with ears to hear and eyes to see. The gospel is the promise of a child who is fully man, yet fully God. It is the promise of salvation from our sin and reconciliation with God, no matter how deep that sin runs or how high or how wide. In the figure of the Grinch and his transformation, we find the message of salvation and redemption that is the core of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, it's easy to find the Grinch as just the villain of a children's Christmas story. This is a cartoon after all, or even weirder, it's Jim Carrey. But regardless, one could argue that in the Grinch we see the worst kind of evil. He hasn't been threatened by the Who's, so we can't even say that it was self-defense. He doesn't need or want the things that he steals from them. He isn't plotting to keep them and turn his mountain cave into some sort of a Who-themed Christmas palace. He doesn't even want to profit off this plan either. He isn't going to sell the things and pocket the money. And he isn't even meaning to redistribute them like Robin Hood takes from the rich and gives it to the poor. He just wants to give them pain. That's it. That's his only desire. The Grinch cannot redeem himself, but God can. When God breaks into the world in the life of a small child, light is brought into the darkest hearts. 
But the Grinch has not just shown the error of his ways in this. The realization that we are sinners leads to confession, but confession is only the beginning. We are then called to repentance, which means more than simply admitting our sins. It means working to live in a changed way that refuses to indulge in those sins any longer. Author Jerome Kopalski writes, I wonder whether how the Grinch stole Christmas intends for us to be seduced by the Grinch, becoming a conspirator in his crimes, in order to discover, in a most Pauline manner, our own sinfulness, and thereby participate more fully in the Grinch's redemption. When we see the Grinch transformed and we see him return to the things he has taken, we should be reminded of the power of Christ that breaks into our lives to change us too, and our own responsibility to turn away from our own sins and sinfulness and allow ourselves to be the people that we were created to be. The final act of the Grinch's redemption story is his reconciliation with the people of Whoville. At the beginning of the story, he is physically separated from them. He is at the top of his mountain while they are in the valley far below. But now that physical distance is closed at the end, and he is welcomed at their table where he himself gets to carve the roast beast. The story that begins in alienation and separation ends in fellowship and reconciliation. And believe it or not, that is our story too. And yes, we are meant to see ourselves as the green, selfish, slightly broken Grinch. And we are meant to commiserate with his plot to destroy that which aggravates him most deeply. But in the end, we are also meant to see ourselves as the ones who are changed by the deep and abiding love of God, most perfectly expressed in the life of Jesus, whose birth we celebrate and whose return we await even now. And as we prepare to dine together at the table of God, we rejoice that we too have been redeemed. We too have been reconciled to God and to one another, and we too are set free from our sins and given a new life. And while we are on the topic of how the Grinch stole Christmas, we also have to address the 2020 version, which is how COVID-19 stole Christmas. The story runs a little different than that of a grumpy green man stealing our trees and our turkeys, but some of our Christmas traditions and greater family gatherings are no longer happening this Christmas, and it can feel a little like Christmas is being stolen, if I'm being honest. I want to be clear here. Your feelings of sadness and loss in this time are valid. Those are feelings that you are allowed to feel and you are allowed to grieve the loss of this holiday. You had hoped and planned for it, and it is not great that it's gone, if I'm being honest, but I want to focus on my favorite Grinch quote here to hope it brings some comfort for you this holiday. It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. As most of us would agree, Christmas isn't about the presents. Especially as adults, we grow up and we realize that it's not about what's under the tree. But while we have left the material goods behind of what Christmas could be, Christmas for many of us is still family time and traditions together. And when really, this isn't what Christmas is at all. What that first Christmas was, was the birth of a baby, born to save the world. 
It was Mary and Joseph alone and without a place to stay. It was a family of three taking shelter in a barn filled with livestock. And most importantly, it was God's redemption plan in motion. This Christmas season for us is filled with sacrificing the things we have come to know as Christmas. It's sacrificing some of the best moments of the year that we get to do together. But I hope in this season of things that feel like sacrifice, you can reflect on the first sacrifice that was made that first Christmas. On that first Christmas, Jesus gave up his place at the right hand of God. He gave up his omniscience, his power, his equality with God to come as a totally dependent baby, fully human, to fulfill the redemption plan that God had set in motion that day. It's a plan that's fulfillment was depended on suffering a painful death on a cross and taking the sins of the world, past, present, and to come. The greatest sacrifice ever made was done that first Christmas. Reading from Philippians 2, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one Spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. As I was researching this passage and looking into it more, one commentary that I read had something that I really felt I needed to share today. Uh, The commentary said, Indeed, he humbled himself. He was humble in that he took the form of a man and not a more glorious creature like an angel. He was humble in that he was born into an obscure and oppressed place. He was humble in that he was born into poverty among despised people. He was humble in that he was born as a child instead of appearing as a man. He was humble in submitting to the obedience appropriate to a child in a household. He was humble in learning and practicing a trade, a humble trade of a builder. He was humble in the long wait until he launched out into public ministry. He was humble in the companions and the disciples that he chose. He was humble in the audience he appealed to and in the way he taught. He was humble in the temptations he allowed and endured. He was humble in the weakness, hunger, and thirst and tiredness he endured. He was humble in his total obedience to his heavenly father. He was humble in his submission to the Holy Spirit. He was humble in choosing and submitting to the death of a cross. He was humble in the agony of his death. He was humble in the shame, mocking, and public humiliation of his death. He was humble in enduring the spiritual agony of his sacrifice on the cross. Indeed, He was humbled. Christmas has not been taken from us. Christmas was given to us. 
It was given to us in the form of a baby who sacrificed everything for you, and it remains the greatest gift we have ever been given. We have the opportunity this Christmas to strip things back to its foundation and to refocus on what Christmas really is. This is a chance to reset and to spend time in what this tradition and season truly holds, which is celebration of a redemption plan that we will never earn, yet was given to us anyways. Reading from Luke 2, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who he had pledged to marry him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. I saw a post that was shared on Facebook this week, and I believe the author was Lynn Cooper. Don't quote me on that. But I want to share the ending of that post as she talked about the isolation that Mary and Joseph would have felt, being alone in a manger, no family there to celebrate or to help as new parents, and no place to stay, not even a bed to lay on. She writes, But God had arrived. Emmanuel. He was with them. He had come to earth in the flesh through agony and dirt and straw and blood. He had arrived and he would never leave them. He would never leave us. He will never leave us. This Christmas, we may be alone without family and we need to know that we are never alone without God. The baby born and laid in a manger who lived to die a painful and humiliating death on a cross to pay the price of our sin and our failure has never left us alone. That first Christmas was the beginning of a life spent in personal relationship with our creator. The one whose name Emmanuel means God with us. So as we close today, I want to pray together. And I want to pray this with thanksgiving uh, in a season that comes with huge hardships and huge hurts. But we need to know that we are celebrating God with us. If you have never experienced a life of God with you uh, and you would like to do that today, I invite you to pray along with me. But please, wherever you are, bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's pray with thanksgiving. God, we thank you for who you are by your very name, Emmanuel, God with us. We thank you that you humbled yourself when we were undeserving. We thank you that we are still undeserving and yet you still give us your love. This season, God, we commit to remembering who you are and what you did for us. God, we commit this season to being thankful for the gift and the redemption plan that you put into motion. God, we lift up our hearts and our hardships and our hearts, and we lay it all at your feet. And God, today we spend time remembering who you are and what you have done. So Lord Jesus, I pray that as a church family, as a body, as just people, we can remember that you are with us in those darkest moments. And God, I just pray that we can continue to remember that this season. We thank you for who you are and your holiness. Amen.